0: Thank you for joining with us. Thank you, Annette and Steve, for leading us in worship. It was just a great time in God's presence this morning. And today I want to talk to you and I want to share with you on the thought and the idea of the power of believing. The power of believing. I don't know if we all understand the power that is in our uh, believing in who God is and what his word says. And I want to share a story with you of a young lady. Uh, The story is almost 80 years ago. So 80 years old, this uh, just outside of Nashville, Tennessee, a little girl was born with some major health problems that left her crippled. And she was from a large Christian family uh, with lots of brothers and sisters. And while her brothers and sisters enjoyed running and playing outside, she was confined to braces. And her parents took her to physical therapy, but the girl's hope was very, very dim. Very little hope for her. And, and she would ask her parents, will I ever be able to run and play like the other children? And her parents would tell her, honey, you only have to believe. You have to trust in God because with God, all things are possible. And so she actually believed her parents, and and she believed that God could make her walk. Without her parents or doctors knowing, she would practice walking without her braces with the help of her brothers and sisters. And then on her 12th birthday, she surprised everyone by removing her braces and walking around the doctor's office unassisted. The doctors couldn't believe her progress, Her progress, and she actually never wore the braces again. And right there, if we stop, this story is already amazing. But the story actually doesn't stop there. In my mind, it almost just starts getting good. It starts be rolling. She's, her next goal, of course, wasn't just to walk, but she wanted to play basketball. And so she continued to exercise both her faith and her underdeveloped legs, and tried out for the school basketball team. Now the coach actually selected her older sister for the team, but the courageous girl was told that she wasn't good enough. Now her father told the coach, my daughters come in pairs. If you want one, you take the other also. So reluctantly, the coach added the girl to the team. She was actually given an outdated uniform and was allowed to practice and work out with the other players. One day, though, this determined girl, she approached the coach and she said, if you give me an extra 10 minutes of coaching each day, I will give you a world-class athlete. Well, he laughed, and then he realized that she was serious. And so he half-heartedly agreed to give her some additional time playing two-on-two with her best friend and a couple of the boys. Before long, her determination and her drive and her faith began to pay off, and she showed a tremendous athletic skill and courage, and soon she was one of the team's best players. Her team went to the state championship in basketball. One of the referees at the tournament actually noticed her exceptional ability and asked her if she ever ran track. Well, of course she hasn't. The referee had also happened to be the coach of an internationally famous Tiger Bells track club. He encouraged her to try running. So after the basketball season was over, she tried out for track, and she began running, and she began winning races. She also earned a berth in the state track championship. At the age of 16, so four years after she began to walk in the doctor's office, she was one of the best young runners in the U.S., and she went to the Olympics in Australia and won bronze medal for anchoring the 400-meter relay team. But not satisfied with what she accomplished, what she did, she worked hard for four more years and returned to the Olympics in Rome in 1960. There... Wilma Rudolph ran the 100-meter, the 200-meter, and anchored the winning 400-meter relay team all the races in world record times. She finished the year by winning the Sullivan Award as the most outstanding amateur athlete in the U.S. Wilma Rudolph's faith and hard work had paid off. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear stories like this, when I hear inspiring stories of faith, such as Wilma's story, do you, like me, sometimes wonder, is faith really the critical element that allows some people to rise above the seemingly incredible odds and achieve things that others cannot? Can faith actually also do great things in my life? See, what we have to realize is faith in God is indispensable to the Christian life. Our faith in God is one of the key things in our life with the Lord, our key things in our relationship with Him. See, we read in Hebrews 11, verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. I think some of us, we read this, we know this verse. The moment I start reading it, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. We go, yep, okay, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But do we understand what faith in God means? Do we understand how it inspires us, it pushes us, it drives us? See, believing who God is and what he says and what he does is the key to the kingdom of God having faith in him and believing who he is, and that what he says and what he does is the key to it. Think about, first off, how important the concept of faith is in our walk with the Lord. See, in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, it tells us that we are saved through faith when it writes, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not for yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that, you can, that no one can boast. It is grace that we have been saved through faith. Our faith in God is what saves us. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 7 tells us that we are to live by faith, not by sight. I'm not supposed to live by what I see And we see Wilma, she's living her life as this little girl embraces, not living her life by what she sees, but what she lives, by what she literally walks in. But she sees by faith, not by by sight. She walks and lives by faith, going, my parents told me that it's by faith. If I only believe. So faith is the base of our salvation and the means by which we live. If we're going to continue to um, live, uh, living free in Christ, we need to keep in mind three faith concepts. Three faith concepts that we need to keep in mind if we're going to live free in Christ. And the first one is this. Faith depends on its object. Faith depends on its object. See, the truth is this. Every one of us in the world, not just Christians, every one of us lives by faith. The question is, what is our faith in? What do we have faith in? See, the only difference between Christian faith and non-Christian faith is the object of which our faith is in. The main issue is what you believe or who you believe in. See, telling people to live by faith doesn't really make sense unless they have an understanding of the object of the faith that we're talking about. You can't have faith in faith. Faith has no rationality without an object. Faith doesn't exist without having faith in something. And see, here's the truth. Every one of us lives by faith every moment of every day. However... Some of our faith objects are valid when others aren't. So how do we understand that every one of us has faith? Even your co-workers, your neighbors who don't believe in God, we live by faith every day. Here's just an example. If you were driving today, so all the ones that are in this room, as we drove here today, and while you're at home, if you're going to go out this afternoon, while you are driving, you are living by faith. Because first off, As you're driving, if you see a green light, which most of us pray for, as you see a green light and you drive through the intersection, you are having faith in a couple things. First off, you're having faith that the other direction light is actually red. We don't really think about it. When we see green and we're driving from a distance, we just believe that the other lights are red. And the other thing of faith that we have in that moment is we're believing that the other drivers, by faith, that they see the red light and they're going to stop. We are believing in things every moment. We have faith in these things every moment. And see, here's the thing. If you don't believe this as you're driving, you're not going to go through the green light. You're going to go through it very cautiously. You're going to slow down. You might even come to a stop and that's when most of us will honk our horn at you. But we trust people or things that have proven to be reliable over a long period of time. And that's why what happens if you are driving with somebody who has gone through on a green light and has been hit, now they go cautiously because that faith has been hurt, that faith has been stumbled. See, what happens to with an object of your faith is proven to be unreliable. You begin to give up on it. Maybe not right away. But how many failures will you tolerate before saying never again? Once faith is lost, it's one of the hardest things to restore. It's one of the hardest things to regain And our ability to believe isn't the problem. It's the object of our faith that has been proven untrustworthy. You think about this for a minute. And we talked about it already. But if somebody was in an accident with careless drivers, they drive cautiously. They drive differently. This is why even in personal relationships are so fragile. Because one act of unfaithfulness can actually destroy a relationship. It can destroy a marriage. You can forgive your spouse and decide to work it out, but it might take months or even years to restore the trust that was broken. Every one of us has faith that we live through every day. Now, there is one area of faith that every one of us have in common with our coworkers, with our neighbors. We all have faith in one thing that has been proven to be reliable. And at this moment, if it stays reliable, we're good. But if it ever shifted, we would all be messed up. And we all have faith in the sun. We all have faith in the sun, the universe. How do we have faith in that? Well, we set our watches by it. We believe every day we have faith that the sun is going to rise. And that it's going to set. We set our watches by it. We plan our calendars by it. We run all of our lives by it. Every one of us. It doesn't matter if you're saved or unsaved. The faith that we have in this. Every one of us. So we have to understand that faith is not just locked into a religious thing. A relationship with God. Faith is a life thing. So the ultimate Faith, of course, is not in the Son, but rather the Son, the Son of God. And this is where we need to understand that our faith has to be in Jesus Christ. And He is proven reliable. He is proven trustworthy. Does everything work out the way that we hope or the way that we want? No. But we know that He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And we know, as Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3, 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. God cannot change, nor can his word change. Isaiah 40, verse 8 tells us, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. The word of God will endure forever. As we are coming into spring, we're seeing everything begin to blossom and grow, and, and we're seeing flowers bloom and, and the beauty of spring. And Not to be discouraging, but we know that fall is coming. And we know that all of those will wither and they will die and we will get cold and snow and Christmas and wonderful times and, and skiing, and I know I'm just going on. It's, it's going to be warm. We're going to go swimming before that. But it's coming. But God's word endures forever. This eternal consistency of why God is so faithful is why we can put our trust in Him, why we can walk with Him. And the second faith concept that we need to remember is this, and this is a longer one, so you've got to write this out, but it says, point number two, how much faith you have is dependent upon how well you know the object of your faith. How much faith you have is dependent on how well you know the object of your faith. See, when people struggle with their faith in God, it's not because their faith object has failed or is insignificant. We have to understand that in moments where God is, we believe he's failed us, it's not that he's failed us. We just don't have all of the knowledge of God that we need to have. It's because we don't understand the true knowledge of God and his ways. And hear me, we've all gone through horrible things and some people worse than others. And it's not that it's a scale because it affects everybody differently. And in those moments, it's so hard to understand what God is doing. But what we have to understand is that he is still working. And when things go sideways, we have to, because we just live in a fallen world, that's where we have to trust that God will work all things out for good for those who love him. See, I don't know about you, but when... When things happen to me, it's because I don't and I don't understand what God is doing. It's because I don't have a full knowledge of who He is. And the, that or this, if you want to be honest, I hope you could be honest with me. That I expect God to respond in a certain way or answer a prayer a certain way. And if I'm honest with you, and if you could be honest with yourself, that certain way is my way. God, I need you to answer it this way because, well, of course I know what's best for my life, God. And there's so many times that God answers it differently and a month later or six months later or a few years later, I begin to realize how much God knows better than I do. And I wish that I could tell you today that every day I know, okay, God knows better than I do. But I still pray and believe, okay, God, you're going to answer a prayer this way because this is just what I want. And when he doesn't comply... Maybe we're not at this point, but maybe some of us have said, well, forget you, God. Or some of us have asked the question, where were you? Or why didn't you answer this prayer? And it's only if we're faithful to him and give time that we begin to see how he pieces it all together. And The problem truly isn't with God. The problem is in our faultly, my faultly understanding of him. And if I want my faith, if you want your faith to increase, we have to increase our knowledge in God, our knowledge of God. If you have little knowledge about God and his word, you will have little faith. If you have great knowledge of God and his word, you can potentially have great faith. See, any attempt to push ourselves beyond what we know to be true about God and His ways is to move us from faith into presumption. When we move ourselves from understanding but just stepping out and running ahead of what we actually know and believe, we move ourselves from faith to presumption. We choose to believe God according to what we know to be true from His Word. That is where the healthy spot to be. What I know His Word says, what I know His promises are for me, that is when I'm in a spot of strength and faith. Therefore, the only way, the only way for me to increase my faith, the only way for you to increase your faith is to increase our knowledge of God, our knowledge of Christ. Romans 10 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. We need to read his word daily to be growing in our faith. Neil Anderson, he writes this, he says, the only way, the only limit to your faith is your knowledge and understanding of God, which grows every time you read your Bible Memorize a scripture verse, participate in a Bible study, or meditate on his word. If you want your faith to grow, you need to read your Bible. You need to memorize scripture verses. You need to participate in a Bible study. You need to be a part of a connect group this summer. You need to meditate on his word daily. Well, Chad, how does joining a Bible study or even just being a part of a connect group going to help me grow in my faith? Well, you're going to talk to people about God. You're going to hear testimonies, as Pastor Ashley is asking. You're going to hear testimonies of what God is doing in people's lives. And, And not only do I grow in my faith by reading God's word and his knowledge of who he is, but when you tell me testimonies, it stirs up my faith because it reminds me of who God is. And we grow together. Believing doesn't make God's word true. His word is true, and therefore we believe. I can't make God do something, but his word is true, and therefore I believe in it. So think of it this way. As a parent You're standing in a pool, and so we have a pool, and we're moving to a new house, and it has a pool, and we're excited for that. But I remember as Miles was young, standing on the edge of a pool and saying, Miles, just jump, I'll catch you. And when that first happened, I have to be honest, I had to stand close to the side of the pool. So there wasn't a big gap. Just jump, Miles, I'll catch you. And he would jump, and I would catch him. And then what was able to happen was I was able to take a little farther step, so it was a bigger gap. And when I told him to jump, he would jump because he began to realize that my word was true. Miles, I'll catch you. And the more we begin to realize that God's word is true, the more we will jump with our faith. And it gets to a point where I just have to turn and just put my arms out and he will jump. I want to get to a point in my walk with the Lord where he doesn't even have to tell me to jump. He just turns and just goes like this, and I just know. And I can jump. As we grow in God's word, our faith will grow. And as we see his word come true, we will begin to be, uh, take even larger steps of faith. Because here's the thing, the third concept of faith is this. Faith is an action word. Faith is an action word. I can't tell you the story of the step of faith or uh, the knowledge of who the, the word is, of the example of Miles jumping to me. If I'm telling you that Miles understood that my word is true, and the only way I knew that he understood that was because he actually jumped If he stood on the side of the pool, I couldn't take steps farther back. The only way that I knew he believed me was that he jumped. Does God know that you believe him? How do I know that I have faith? How do you know that you have faith? You jump. James 2, 17, 18 says this, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Just let that sink in for a moment. Faith, not accompanied by action, is dead. But some will say, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. I don't know how we can say we have faith without deeds. How do I have faith that God is going to catch me? How do I have faith that God is going to walk with me? Now understand when I say how do I know God's going to catch me? I realize that immediately there's going to be some believers out there that immediately jump to the extreme. And go, Chad, you've got to be careful. Some people are going to do crazy things. Maybe. But when was the last time you did a little thing? Sometimes we worry so much about the extreme, we forget that God's actually calling us to live a life of faith. And because we've warned people so much about don't take a dangerous step of faith, we don't take steps of faith at all. I don't know about you, but John the Baptist living in the desert, wearing a camel's shirt and eating locusts and honey, to me, is a little bit of a crazy step of faith. Peter, stepping out of the boat, walking towards Jesus on the water. It was a little crazy step of faith. The mom who only had a little bit of oil, and a little bit of flour to make enough just for her son and her, and then she was going to die to make it for Elijah was a crazy step of faith. Well, Chad, those are just great. Those are Bible characters. Those are people that lived in Jesus' time. It's so different. Is it? Or did they just have a knowledge that we didn't have? Now, I realize there's a balance to this, but we worry so much about the balance that we don't take steps of faith anymore. So yes, don't sell your house and move to another country unless you know God is telling you to do it. But walk across the street and share Jesus with somebody. Buy somebody a loaf of bread. Drive across the city because you think God is telling you to and go into a store because you think he's telling you to and then walk up to that person who he, you think he's telling you to walk up to and say hi. If we believe God and his word, we will live accordingly we will live accordingly to what he's asking us to do. See, I had a friend call me a couple years ago and he just he asked the question he was uh, in a meeting with actually other Christians. This is where we're at with these steps of faith and being cautious. And somebody wasn't feeling well and he felt like he was supposed to pray but he wanted to pray a prayer of faith that he thought might actually make other believers in the room think he was a little weird. And so he prayed, but he prayed a a gentle, reserved prayer. And as he left and he was driving, he called me, and he just asked me a question of, Chad, how do you you pray not uh, nervously, or how do you just pray boldly, or how do you just pray for healing and knowing that it doesn't matter what other people think? And here was my question. Because I will pray for people anywhere. But here's the only way I got there. I asked this friend, I said, right now, how do you feel in your gut? He said, I feel like I missed something. I feel like I didn't do what God asked me to do. And what if I did? And I said, that's the answer. I had enough of those moments where I wrestled For weeks, did I miss something? I remember standing right here in a room full of people, feeling and knowing I'm supposed to pray for healing for something and chickening out. There's no other, I won't call it anything else. Am I calling you a chicken? I won't call you a chicken. But I'm calling myself. There was nothing else. I chickened out because of the people that were sitting in the room. And I know everybody that's sitting at home or the ones in the room now might be even thinking, well, Chad, why would you do that? We think you should go for it. Well, I think you should go for it. But I chickened out and I wrestled for weeks going, did I miss something? Did Did somebody miss a healing because I didn't pray? Well, Chad, it has nothing to do with you. I know that. But what if God wanted to work through me in that moment? Did that person have to wait a couple more days? Did that person have to wait until somebody else stepped up? And I told my friend, I said, when that feeling of what did I miss? God, I'm so sorry. When that feeling outweighs the feeling of, well, what are these people going to think? You will always do it. You will always do it. And now I'm at a point where I would rather some people think I'm weird, but knowing that, God, I'm doing what you asked me to do. And can I tell you something? It doesn't have to be weird. I've prayed with cashiers at a checkout with a lineup. And as I'm doing the debit machine, because the cashier is really nervous when you say, can I pray with you? And yes, I've talked to them. And this is why I know that there's something going on. And I just say, can I pray with you? And immediately I'm like, I want you to know it will not be long and it will not be weird. And they immediately go, sure. And so as I'm working the debit machine, yes, you can multitask. So I don't hold up the lineup. I want to respect her and her job. I've done it where I slide my card and this is how long the prayer is. And by the time I hit yes, Checkings, pin in my pin. I won't say what numbers they are. Put in my pin, hit okay, and it approves, and I'm done. I've already said amen. And my eyes are open. It's quiet. doesn't have to be weird, but it's a step of faith. And I'm honest with you, the only reason that I'm there in that area of my life is because of that gut feeling of what did I miss outweighs Everything else. See, here's the thing. You and I can do anything with God. It's the power of believing and knowing his word. So we know that we're stepping into prayer. We're stepping into things that are his will. Matthew 17, 20 says this. He replied, because you have so little faith, I truly tell you, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Here Jesus tells us that we have faith the size of a mustard seed and that is very small. That we can say to this mountain, move from here to there. But here is the first step in that. We need to say it. We can't just believe that that mountain can move. It's the step of faith. It's the action of actually speaking it. There's an action step involved. So my question for you today, my question for myself, what is God asking you to do? What step of faith is God asking you to take? See, everything we do is essentially a product of what we have chosen to believe in Christ. So many of us have a desire. We have a passion. We want to do incredible things like Wilma did. We want to do incredible things that some of our spiritual heroes have done. Yet it always takes faith and it takes actually hard work Of knowing the word of God and spending time with him. There is no shortcuts. All of us need to know God's word more. So that we can grow in our faith. So I challenge you, what is God asking you to do? And this summer I am challenge you to take this season to read God's word more. To memorize more scripture to grow in our knowledge of him and his word, which will lead to us growing in our faith. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we have access to your word, that, Lord, you've given it to us so that we can know you, we can know who you are, we can understand what you've called us to, And so, Father, everyone in this room and everyone watching online, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you stir in us this passion to understand and to know who you are so that we can walk by faith in a stronger way, to to know you, to be able to step out. And so, Father, I also ask you that, Holy Spirit, you will spur us on to not just to know in knowledge and grow in wisdom, but to take steps of action, steps of faith that, Lord, we, can sh- we are known to have faith because of what we actually live and do. And so, Father, speak to us, and Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us and give us the boldness, but also the wisdom and knowledge. And Father, I pray that people begin to take small steps of faith. And as they take those small steps of faith, their faith grows more and more because you are faithful. And so Holy Spirit, I pray for an empowerment in every one of us in wisdom and knowledge of your word. Help us to have the discipline to grow and to learn. And then give us the boldness to take action. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.